if you're just joining us, if it's, maybe it's been a while since you've been here, I am in a four-week series. This, I shouldn't say a four-week series. This is the fourth week of the series. Yeah. And we have been looking at the life of Joseph, right? And it's called Extraordinary Living, Looking at the Life of Joseph. Ooh, isn't that catchy? By the way, next week is going to be the climax of the story. So you don't want to miss that part because it's pretty cool. Uh, I love this week as well because finally the good guy, the underdog, the, the man that we've been going, really? All this time, finally, he is going to get a reward. He is going to move into that place that God destined him to be. That's right. It's time. So far, we've been talking about how God had a plan for Joseph. Would you, would you agree with that? All right. And I borrow from the prophet Jeremiah, and he said this. He said, a plan, God has a plan for good and not disaster, a plan to give you a future and a hope. That's why I love the name of our church. You know, God has a plan to give us a future and a hope. We're not destitute. We're not just languishing out there all by ourselves. No, God has a purpose. Something for you to achieve while you walk this earth. And then, if that's not cool enough, when, you, when this finally gives out, this tent that God gave us, that usually lasts around 80 85 years, whatever it is. When this gives out, we're going to get a new body. And we're going to live in a new place that God has prepared for those who love Him. I'm pretty excited about that. I hope you are too. The Lord showed Joseph His plan by way of a dream. And we've talked about that quite a bit now. So far, though, not much of that dream has come to pass. And thankfully, Joseph hasn't given up. How many of you would give up? I, I'm not sure. I mean, honestly, I'm just thinking, I don't know. I mean, I, I've been here t almost 21 years. Uh, that's not a boast or a brag or anything. Is it 21? 2002, 2004. Almost 22. What am I thinking? Anyway, I haven't given up. And not that I'm going through what Joseph went through. Please. Being with you isn't like being in prison. <laughs> Just saying. I want to clear that up right away. But I do believe that each one of us has a plan, and sometimes it might seem like, say, it might seem like, it might seem like God's not moving in your life. But we're going to see today that he really was moving in Joseph's life. We've learned so far that God's timing is everything, right? And, and a large part of being obedient is forged through having patience. Patience is a huge step in obedience. And it's also 
a fruit of the Spirit. So if you're born again and God has filled you with the Spirit, you should have some of this, if not a lot of it. Somebody I was reading recently, somebody was sharing how uh, one of the stages, they have six stages of, of the journey of faith, In the last stage, they said, usually it only comes with age. Some things you just have to work out over time. Now, Joseph is very young here yet. I mean, he's gone through this since he was a kid, teenager. But at this point, and we're going to read this in a minute, he's only 30. He's a a young'un. All right, I'm, I'm trying to think, is he in here or did he move on me? Where'd he go? Where's Nick? How old are you? See, I knew I picked you. I was trying to think, who is about 30 years old? And, and I felt like I had saw your face. So can you imagine, you've been in prison for several years now, all right? And all of a sudden you're released and you're about to become the second in command. <laughs> Running a whole country. Would that be cool? Yeah. Would you, would you mess it up? Probably, yeah. That's what I'm thinking, too, with Joseph. I'm like, man. But I'm going to share some other things here as we move along. I'll keep moving. We must wait on the Lord to open the doors. I've been sharing this a lot, but... And I'm, this is a, I'm just going over a refresher of what I've already talked about. But, you know, there are a lot of new people here today or other people here today. So sometimes we like to push the door open. And I shared this last week that I, I wonder if because Joseph tried to do that with the baker and the cupbearer, if God didn't go, oh, okay. <laughs> You want to push the door open? Hold on, yeah. You're going to be here a couple more years. I don't know. I'm just saying it could have happened that way. Because Joseph had to learn this very important step of patience. Don't try to push the door open. Let God guide you. Let God lead you. Let God direct your every step as he wants to do. Through Joseph's life, we have now seen how Sometimes the only thing a believer has to cling to is their faith and calling. And like the prophet Elijah, I shared this last week, we must keep our eyes on the Lord and what? Not look back. There's a scripture that says this. Don't go back to your old ways like a dog goes back to its vomit. That's my paraphrase. Have you ever seen a dog do that? Is it gross? I don't think I've ever seen a human do that. But the point is, when we are given new life, I'm talking about being born again, when God saves us, cleanses us of our unrighteousness, sets us on the right path, when we start looking back like, oh, I remember, oh, oh well, those, those were the good old days. Really? 
How many, how many know what I'm saying here, right? But the devil can try to get us to look back and go, oh, don't you miss that? And then I think of the hangovers. The mornings where I woke up where I wasn't sure where I was at first. <laughs> oh, what fun. Oh, yeah, the good old days. I'm going to stop there, but don't look back. Finally, remember this, and this is the key to this whole series. We must remember an extraordinary life always fulfills our God purpose. You have a purpose. You were designed for something. God calls us a masterpiece. That's, right. That's pretty neat. As much as we mess things up, God can right the wrongs. And he can take what we thought was pure evil and turn it into something good. In his hands, he can do anything. Amen? All right, let's get on with this today. We're finally getting to the culmination of the Joseph dream, and I'm just like, amen. I mean, I've enjoyed this so far, but I'm ready to move on. I want to start reading in chapter 41 of Genesis. And again, I'm reading from the New Living Testament. Two full years later, say that, two full years later. What does that mean? He was in there a long time. This is Joseph. He's in prison. Two full years later, Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing on the bank of the Nile River. In his dream, he saw seven fat, healthy cows come up out of the river and begin grazing in the marsh grass. Then he saw seven more cows come up behind them from the Nile. But these were scrawny and thin. These cows stood beside the fat cows on the riverbank. I love this part. Then the scrawny thin cows ate the seven healthy fat cows. <laughs> At this point in the dream, Pharaoh woke up. Well, who wouldn't? Have you ever seen a carnivorous cow? Anyway. But he fell asleep again and had a second dream. This time he saw seven heads of grain, plump and beautiful, growing on a single stalk. Then seven more heads of grain appeared. But these were shriveled and withered by the east wind. And these thin heads swallowed up the seven plump, well-formed heads. Then Pharaoh woke up again and he realized it was a dream. Huh. Okay. So we can at least recognize this is one of those strange dreams. Right? I mean, cows don't eat cows. Remember last week, I said that when a dream is from the Lord, there will be an unction in you, an urgency, if you will, to figure out what that is. So that's one way to know that these dreams are from God, is that it stirs something inside of you, and you're like, what is this? And this is what we see uh, Pharaoh is feeling right here. The next morning, Pharaoh was disturbed by the dream, so we know that it affected him, right? So he called for his magicians and wise men of Egypt. When Pharaoh told them his dreams, 
not one of them could tell him what they meant. Remember this? We've, we've seen this before. What was that guy's name? King Nebo, remember? King Nebuchadnezzar. I called him King Nebo for short. Finally, the king's cupbearer spoke up about time. Today I have been reminded of my failure, he told Pharaoh. You know, Joseph's been languishing in prison all this time. And it's like, light bulb. He finally remembers the poor guy. Some time ago, you were angry with the chief baker and me, and you imprisoned us in the palace of the captain of the guard. One night, the chief baker and I each had a dream, and each dream had its own meaning. There was a young Hebrew man with us in the prison who was a slave of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams, and he told us what each of our dreams meant. And everything happened just as he predicted. And by the way, when somebody says, I'm a prophet, this is what you need to see. That what they proclaim is from God comes to pass. If not, they are a false prophet. He goes on, I was restored to my position as cupbearer, and the chief baker was executed and impaled on a pole. Now, that is not a pleasant sight. I admit it. All right? But it happened exactly like these guys saw it in their dream. And Joseph was able to describe to the T what was going to happen next. Pharaoh sent for Joseph at once, and he was quickly brought from the prison. I love this. After he shaved and changed his clothes, he went in and stood before Pharaoh. Pharaoh didn't want to have no stinky prisoner coming in there. Right? And I don't know if he had a beard like Nick's. I'm not sure. By the way, it's impressive. But for whatever reason, he had to shave. So now he's clean cut. He walks into the the room where the Pharaoh is and... The Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream last night. And no one here can tell me what it means. (laughs) But I've heard that when you hear about a dream, you can interpret it. This is cool. I love what he says next. It is beyond my power to do this, Joseph replied. (laughs) Say this with me. It is Beyond my power to do this. Now read the next part. But God can tell you what it means and set you at ease. Who's in control? That's right. It is never about us. It's always about the Lord. It's always about Jesus. Joseph implied here that God spoke through him. He recognized that Any knowledge that he had, it wasn't from himself. He wasn't this brilliant guy that, oh, I can see into the future. No. He knew that his source was the Holy Spirit, and that's who he was describing to the Pharaoh. Do not forget where your power comes from as a believer. It isn't from you, but it's from, and it is through the grace of God and his tender mercies and it is from him. 
Joseph's scenario is very similar to what we saw with King Nebo, as I've just said. Daniel was summoned as well, and the soothsayers, or the magicians, all the wise men, they, they couldn't tell King Nebo what his dream meant. Same with the Pharaoh. He asked all of his people that are supposed to be able to see this stuff, and they couldn't see it. They couldn't tell him what his dream meant. But the Scripture is clear that God can, and that he uses us, his people, to describe what is to come. So seek God when you need understanding. Amen? Amen. Don't go to the people that read the horoscopes or read the lines in your hand. Come on. Go to the one who created you in his image. He knows you better than anybody. I'm going to skip verses 17 through 24, but just let me say this. The Pharaoh repeats his dream here to Joseph. He emphasizes at the end that his wise men and magicians could not interpret the dream. But Joseph, upon hearing the dream, was given illumination. Say that with me, illumination. God gave Joseph illumination as to what this dream of Pharaoh's meant. Joseph responded, both of Pharaoh's dreams mean the same thing. So now he's telling him what it means. God is telling Pharaoh in advance what he is about to do. The seven healthy cows and the seven healthy heads of grain both represent seven years of prosperity. The seven thin scrawny cows that came up later and the seven thin heads of grain withered by the east wind represent seven years of famine. That's a long time on both ends. So here they have 14 years total, the first seven healthy, uh, everybody's prospering, the fields are bringing in the harvest, and then the next seven, not so much. This will happen just as I have described it, for God has revealed to Pharaoh in advance what he is about to do. And then in verses 29 to 32, Joseph goes into more detail how there will be seven years of prosperity and then seven years of famine, just as the dream was shown to Pharaoh. In verse 33, it is said, Therefore Pharaoh should find an intelligent and wise man and put him in charge of the entire land of Egypt. (laughs) Hmm. You don't think he was pointing at himself when he said this, do you? No, I think he learned his lesson. He'll let God do that this time, right? Pharaoh needs to find an intelligent, wise man, put him in charge of the entire land. What's Joseph doing here? He sees the problem, and then he gives the Pharaoh a solution. We've learned this in pace-setting leadership, that you don't come to the leadership with your problem You bring the problem with a solution, maybe two, maybe three. And that's what Joseph did here. And it worked to his advantage. Joseph's suggestions were well received by Pharaoh and his officials. Oh, oh, smart guy. Yeah, 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 we need to do this. So Pharaoh asked his officials, can we find anyone else like this man? So obviously filled, oh, 
<laughs> so obviously filled with what? Oh, man. How cool is that? How many of you are filled with the Holy Spirit? Come on. When people are struggling and we, we come into their lives and we offer help, when God's moving through us, they see this. They see that you are a man or a woman filled with the Spirit of God. If they don't see this, there's something wrong. Hello? I hope I'm not just preaching to crickets. We need to get this. They saw something in this man. Oops. How'd I do that? They saw something in Joseph that they knew wasn't human. It was more than that. It was way bigger than him. And that's what God wants to do in and through us. He will do this. You will recognize when people have the power of God. How? By their fruit. By their fruit. Say it. By their fruit. You will know if someone is filled with the power of the Holy Spirit by their fruit. Things will change in their presence. People will be healed. People will come to the Lord. Amen? Amen. Okay. Moving along. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent or wise as you are. Just by association. Joseph and God. Did you see that? No one else is as intelligent or wise as you. What makes him intelligent? He is leaning on the Lord. He has put his trust, his faith in his God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in this scenario. When we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, people around us are going to look at us and go, wow, they're really intelligent. Your IQ shoots up when you have Jesus. You may be dumb as a box of rocks before Jesus. And please hear me, this, I, I'm not making fun of anybody here. You know, we're all at different levels. I don't feel, I've never felt like I was all that brilliant, but God has done amazing things through me, and I give him all the credit. If my IQ is above 100, it's because of Jesus, not Norm, because I tried to destroy this brain that God gave me so many years ago. He said this, he said, you will be in charge of my court, and all my people will take orders from you. <laughs> I love it. Only I, sitting on my throne, will have a rank higher than yours. Now, if you, if you catch that, when Joseph, if Pharaoh's not on the throne, if he's somewhere else, who's in charge? Joseph is number one at that point. Do you catch that? But normally he would be sitting there, and nevertheless, number two guy is 
He's taking care of all the business, as we're going to see here. I like to ask the question here, what happened? <laughs> Quite literally, one minute Joseph is languishing in prison, biding his time, and the next he's the number two guy over the, ki over the kingdom of Egypt. Say this with me. Only God. Oh, I must not have put that one up there. It was supposed to be there. Would have been a good place to see it, but it's not there. Only God. Say it with me again. Only God. Only God can, can pull something off like this and put you in a position miraculously like he did with Joseph. Only God could see this plan so many years previous being carried out so many years later. Many pretend to be able to tell the future, but only God can really do that. And only God can see past the hardship and the turmoil, knowing that what a person must go through will lead to a miraculous outcome. Only God can see that. You may have gone through some horrible things, I recently had somebody share with me how they were abused as a young girl and beaten. And it's messed them up. Nobody here. I'm just saying. But I'm not surprised if there are people here who would say that was me too. And listen to me. I don't think God... God may allow these things or not stop them, but I don't ever think he makes them happen. God is not a masochist. But when we go through these things, it, there's a reason. And on the other end, God will take what we've learned from our experiences and the hardship and, and the, the hurt and he'll use that to his good. See, again, in his hands, he can form us. He can, he can reshape that heart. Only God. I believe the Apostle Paul alludes to this in Romans 8.28, which I already accidentally put up. And we know that God causes everything, say it with me, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. If you love God and you're trying to achieve the purpose he's given you, God can take whatever you've been through and turn it around for the good. Douglas Moo, uh, he's a, a scholar who's written many uh, commentaries. But anyway, he said this he, about this passage. He said, it is the sovereign guidance of God that is presumed as the undergirding and directing force behind all events of life. Meaning, as we face turbulent times, our faith must rest in the God who undergirds and directs the forces we are up against. 
What seems difficult today, hear this, what seems difficult today may become the blessing for tomorrow. Verses 41 to 45 show how Pharaoh gave Joseph many treasures, big gold chains and all of this kind of stuff. And he gave him a new name, an Egyptian name, if you will. He had a Hebrew name, and now he gives him an Egyptian name, which meant God speaks and lives. How'd you like to be known as that? Oh, I was going to pick on you, brother, but I'm going to keep it to myself. (laughs) Yeah, you know I'm talking about you. (laughs) New name. Wow. How cool is this? I believe we're going to be given a new name. But in this case, God speaks and lives. That's how Joseph was seen by the Egyptian people. Hey, here comes God speaks and lives. (laughs) Is that pretty cool? I mean, I wouldn't mind that name. I'm a little envious. My name's pretty cool too, though. You know, Norman, which simply means man from the north. It is so fitting coming from northern Michigan. Then we read in Genesis 41, 46, and this is, Nick, where I got this. He was 30 years old when he began serving in the court of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And when Joseph left Pharaoh's presence, he inspected the entire land of Egypt. How fun. You just get to go out and see everybody. Oh, here comes, what's his name again? God speaks and lives. Here comes God speaks and lives. And he also gave him his own chariot. What? He didn't have to walk. He didn't have to ride on a donkey. He got to get in his spiffy new Red Rider chariot. <laughs> Best I could think of. I didn't, I don't know. I wanted to point this out because it's really not said here, but it's alluded to. Excuse me just a minute. i got to get a little. There's a drought going on up here. When you think about Joseph taking this position at 30 years of age, and you might say, how is he ready for this? But think about what he went through. First, he runs Potiphar's house. And well. So well, Potiphar gave him charge of everything. Except his wife. Which later became an issue. Not Joseph's problem, but anyway. We don't want to go back there. Second, he ends up in prison. And what happens? The warden goes... Dude, you're good at this. Run it. He gave him charge over the whole prison system. Why? Why did God allow this to happen? Because he was training him up. Many years ago, way back before many of you were born, Pastor Norm and Pastor Barb were In Lakeland, Florida, the year was 1991. We started attending a small church, and 
my background at that point was ushering and things like that, and my wife's was deliverance ministry and care ministry and all that stuff. And this pastor of this local church called me into his office and he said, Norm, I'd like you to take over the children's ministry. Well, he didn't say that. He said, Norm, I want you to go into the children's ministry and just see if you can help the guy that's in there now. First week we were in there, the guys, I mean, you may have heard this story before, but first week we were in there, this, this man leading this uh, children's group, age four to 13-ish. He pulls out this book that I had read at Central Bible College in Springfield and starts reading about Noah directly from this theology book geared for Bible students, adults. And here's the bad part. If a kid would fidget, he would scold them. And I'm, my wife and I, and you know, first experience in there, we're both like, what is happening? We knew. I'd never taught kids before. She had, but I had never taught kids before. And in my heart, I'm grieving. I'm like, this isn't right. So we got out of there, and I said to her, I said, what'd you think of that? She goes, that wasn't right. And I'm like, I agree. What can we do? We prayed. Lord, help that man to understand how to teach kids or move them out. Oh, I should not have prayed that prayer. <laughs> the following week, midweek, the pastor calls me. Hey, can you come to my office? So I did. He goes, Norm, he says, I got a little problem. You know the guy that was in the class last week that you saw teach? He just resigned. I'm like, no. Because I knew what was coming next. Norm, would you and your wife like to take over our children's ministry? And there were uh, eight to ten kids in there at the time. Okay, I had never, I said this, I had never taught kids before, ever. But God, but God. On my way home, I said yes, by the way. On my way home that next week, I'm coming home from work, and I see this giant tigger. You know what a tigger is? But it's a stuffed tigger. It's, it's in somebody's yard sale. I'm driving past it. And I, I, I sense the Holy Spirit say, go get that tigger. So I <laughs> okay. So I turned around, went back. I said, how much do you take for it? Well, I want 10 bucks. I said, I'll give you five. I said, okay. <laughs> so I've got me a tigger, big old tigger, for five bucks. And I take it, and I, I tell my wife, I said, you know, the Lord is just sharing with me how we need to make it fun in here. Yes, we need to teach them all about Jesus and do all the good stuff that the Bible says. But we've got to bring some life into this place. And so we hung this, this thing from the ceiling and we, we created what we called Tigger Tokens. There was a store, the kids could buy little, little trinkets, they could buy Bibles, they could buy all kinds of things with their points. And they saved them up like money. It taught them about money, but it also taught them how to do their memory verse because it gave them an incentive to do that. And by the way, they're starting a store down there again 
It was supposed to be open today, but thanks to, thanks to the potluck, they couldn't. So I'm sorry, your kids are going to be disappointed. So, but it's because you guys had to eat in there. <laughs> Over the next six months, that ministry grew to about 60 kids. No, I take no credit. None. We prayed. We fasted. We asked the Lord for help. We, we grabbed hold of a, a curriculum by another guy called Bill Wilson. And we taught those kids each week about Jesus. And they fell in love with him. And they learned so many things. And during that time, my wife and I learned as well how to minister to kids. I mean, we had altar calls. We had times where they just spent time at the altar with the music playing. I say this for this reason. This is why I'm sharing this. We had 50, 60 kids after that six months, and I get a call. Norm, how would you like to come back to your home church? Dave Williams, how would you like to come back to your home church? I need a children's pastor. Now hear me. The children at that time, the, the ministry of children at that time had about 500 kids. If he had called me six months before, I wouldn't have been ready. I had no clue what it meant to be a children's minister. But through that six months, I learned something that, that God had a calling on my life. And I loved kids. I loved teaching them. I loved having fun with them and, and, and just introducing them to my best friend, Jesus. And it flourished. Because of that little ministry in Florida, I was able to say yes to the bigger ministry in Lansing. All glory to God. But I wouldn't have been prepared had I not gone through. Now, my story isn't as tough as what Joseph went through, of course. But I'm just saying that's how God works sometimes. If not all the time. He, he grows us up. There are stages. In verses 47 to 52, the Bible tells us that there were seven years of plenty, just as Pharaoh's dream had said, and then there were seven years of famine. Joseph was shown much favor. In fact, he had two sons. I like this. I'm sharing this only because the names represent God. Joseph named his older son Manasseh, for he said, God has made me forget all my troubles and everyone in my father's family. Now, I'm not sure that last part is really healthy, but um, anyway according to Joseph. This is why he called his son that. And then in, in verse 52, Joseph named his second son Ephraim, for he said, God has made me fruitful in this land of my grief. Do you think Joseph felt some things? Any kind of bitterness? Maybe? Huh? How many of you would be bitter if your family sold you to a slavery caravan? How many would hold a grudge years later? 
We're going to find out what happens next week. What this last passage says to me is, Joseph was aware in his early life that he was not living an easy life. His life was not a cakewalk. He suffered as a slave and then as a prison inmate. But he was also aware of God's tender mercies and how the Lord was able to wipe away his tears in time. I'm going to end with this verse. Rick Warren said this. You've heard of him, right, Pastor Rick? He said, friends, you don't get the gold medal for starting the race. You only get the gold medal for ending it. I want you so badly to finish well. And that's my prayer as your pastor. I want you to finish well. What Joseph started, he, he's finishing. And we'll see this again next week. But I just want to point out the fact he didn't give up on God. He could have just said, you know what, Lord? Enough of this nonsense. I'm, I've had it. You told me in a dream that I was going to have people bowing to me. But instead, I'm bowing to everybody else. I don't want to go through this anymore. I don't want to play your game anymore. Sound like somebody here? Anybody else feel that way ever? You start challenging God like, really God, this is what you put me through? But Joseph kept the faith. He kept trusting that God had this. And he never quit. And because Joseph didn't quit, a nation was prepared to go through a deadly famine. And many lives were spared as a result. Including, as we'll see next week, his own family. What is God trying to do in and through your life? Would you stand with me? What trials or calamities are you going through today that are part of the process to make you who you need to be for your future self? You see, we often just get stuck thinking about right now, but there's so much more coming. My best advice is, like Joseph, don't give up. Like Pastor Rick said, run the race until the end. Finish it. I'm quite sure that there are many in this auditorium today and even some that are listening online who would say, I'm in Joseph's spot, but without this lavish ending. I haven't, I haven't seen the good yet. And I don't know where to turn. I, I don't know who to turn to or what's next. To you, I, I want to share this last little quote from Cliff Young. This was at the end of his article on Extraordinary Living. And I put it up behind me. He said this. He said, What I find most exciting and agonizing at times about living a life as a believer are the unknowns, stressful as they are. How many of you are going through unknowns? Come on, raise your hand up high. However, he said, when I am able to take my mind off of myself and 
And I point this out just to say, Joseph didn't, he, he wasn't introverted. He wasn't just like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do next. He looked for people that he could help. That's how he got out of his pity party. When I'm able to take my mind off of myself and my worries, it's okay to have worries. But don't dwell on them forever. Cherish and celebrate each day, he said, and search for opportunities to touch and impact others. The anxieties of my unknown seem to fade away. I begin living outside my comfort zone and within God's. (laughs) I begin to live an extraordinary life. Wise words from Cliff. As we've studied this Bible hero that, that we know as Joseph, it becomes apparent that God is working in his life every single step of the way. Please understand God is doing that in your life. You just may not realize it. But if you start looking for him to move, he, he, you're, you're going to see it. You're going to recognize it. And the more you look, the more you'll see that God is moving in your life. Directing your every step. I'm not going to read it, but look up Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. What was required of Joseph was that he did not give up and that he not allow his circumstances to determine how he lived his life. He, he could have gotten bitter. And the scripture alludes to the fact that he might have a little bit. Again, we'll talk about that more next week. But right now, I just want you to understand this. That no matter what kind of pain and suffering you've had to go through, as much as you can, just try to set that aside and start looking up and saying, God, what do you want to do with this? How do you want to take this thing that's been weighing me down how do you want to take this and turn it around for the good of those who love you of of me who loves you what are you going to do in my life lord what are you going to achieve what are you going to accomplish or what am i going to accomplish through jesus you see these are things that we need to have a, a talk with god about and it's okay if you do can i hear a good amen So I don't know what you're facing, what kind of mountains you're trying to overcome. But I do know that everyone has a purpose, a God purpose, according to the Bible. And your purpose may not be to deliver a nation from famine, but you might deliver someone from the clutches of the enemy. If you would allow me one last, and I feel like this was for someone. I don't know if there's more than one. This was from Lynn Hammond, and I saw this uh, recently online, and she said this. No matter how deep a pit you have dug for yourself, you can never dig deep enough to get rid of what God has planted in your life. Go back to the Father and lean on Him. He will help you complete what he has placed in your heart. It's never too late. Never. (laughs) 
as long as you're still breathing and on this side of heaven, you got time. But it's totally up to you what you do next. If you find yourself in prison, in slavery, whatever, just keep praying, keep trusting. God is going to get me through this. And on the other end of this, I'm going to be better for it. And when I get there, God is going to do amazing, miraculous things in and through my life. Can you grab hold of that with your faith today? Can you believe that in your heart today? How many would say yes? Raise your hand. Hallelujah. I want to pray with you. Father, we just ask you right now, Lord, just to, to move on this people. Like Joseph, Lord, help us not to give up, especially prematurely. <laughs> Lord, help us to weather the storm and, and to get through it, to recognize we're not in this alone, that God is always with us, he'll never leave us nor forsake us. And, and his plan is to give us a hope and a future, yes. or a future and a hope. And we place ourselves in your hands today. And we pray, have your way, Lord. Have your way. As Proverbs 16.33 says, if you commit whatever you're doing unto the Lord, it will succeed. If you commit your life into the hands of Jesus, it will succeed. You will be victorious. More than a conqueror, as Paul said. there's somebody here today and you'd say pastor i'm not right with god i i'm i'm a i'm a mess i need jesus to forgive me to cleanse me of my unrighteousness i want to invite him into my life today if that's you if you need jesus right now i just want you to lift your hand up real quick so i can see it hands going up thank you anybody else anybody hallelujah thank you you can put them down Pray this with me, and saints, just pray us, pray this prayer with us, if you would, as a family. Father, Father I need you. I need, you. I, need I need your Son, who you sent, who you sent on my behalf. On my behalf. Today, Today, I confess that I'm a sinner. I've messed this life up. But I need Jesus. I want Jesus. Lord, cleanse me of my sin and make me a new person. Help me to live my life for you. To dream dreams. To see visions. Help me, Lord, to know my purpose. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Not necessarily in this order. I love you. And I thank you for what you're doing in me today. I give you my life. All that I have. All that I am. Let it be a success. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.
I always invite everybody that prays that prayer, Just we have a little booklet that we like to give out called The Start of Something Wonderful, and it's just a, a primer on the Christian faith, uh, 26 steps with scripture references as to why we recommend you do these things. Um, and it'll really help you to get a good go in your life. So grab one of those. They're free on your way out if you don't have one or haven't gotten one. We love you guys. So guess what? It's time for potluck. <laughs> Can't get over that name. When you're a janitor, potluck just changes. Anyhow, um, I want to pray a really quick prayer again. And, and then I would ask this if we could. So could we let our uh, older folks, saints, go first? Some of them that might have a little struggle getting there so they can get through the line quicker. Give them five minutes. Hang in here, you know, mingle a little bit uh, for five minutes. And then, ladies, I'm just telling you this, move. Don't, don't you sit here and mingle. You go. If you, all right? And, and anybody that, you know, usually you're at the end of the line because you can't get there quick enough and all these people that are really quick jump ahead of you. So, Father, thank you again for the body of Christ, for this time of fellowship, for what you're doing in us. Now, take these things that we've learned and help us to apply them to our daily living. Lord, we ask you to bless the food, bless the hands that have been praying, or I'm sorry, serving all morning trying to cook that stuff up. Uh, bless them. Bless the food to our bodies. And uh, just, I just pray for a great morning or early afternoon, Lord. And help the Lions to win. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.